Come on down to the Law Student Lounge with your host, Attorney Ryan McKean, where law students like you tell their stories. So pull up a chair and join us in the lounge. Hi, everyone. It's Connecticut personal injury attorney Ryan McKean here from Connecticut Trial Firm, and I am so excited. Today, we have uh, Joelle Ennin on. Uh, Joelle is a free L at uh, Quinnipiac or heading into his third year at Quinnipiac University School of Law in Hamden, Connecticut. Welcome, Joelle. Welcome. Uh, nice to be here, Ryan. Um, thanks again for inviting me. Uh, I can't wait to get started. So nice to have you on, Joelle. Joel, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure, yes. Um, I uh, was born actually in South Africa, Connecticut, and I'm a middle child of five. I have um, three other brothers and one sister. Um, I have um, Both my parents are first-generation immigrants. They both came from, my dad came from God Island when we were at the age of like 27, and my mom came from Jamaica where her sister's like in her early 20s. So this is uh, new to them, like, you know, being in the US, U.S. and whatnot. So they had made a lot of sacrifices for me and my siblings to get to where we are today um, and putting us through school because all of us um, have gone to, you know, high school, graduated from high school, went to college, we graduated from college, and most, I mean, actually all of us have gone and taken the next level. Um, me and my siblings, uh, me and my older siblings, me and my sister and my brother, are all like in a doctorate program while my um, two younger brothers are getting their masters and hopefully like every, everything works out we'll all be graduated by the end of um, May next year so that'd be nice um, for especially like with all the sacrifices our parents made for us to get to where we are today. That is wonderful like I'm listening to you talk and like that's that's the American dream right there and I feel like I should have your parents on as a parent myself I'm like they did a lot right. Um, that is that is awesome. That is that is awesome. So you grew up in East Hartford. I, I worked at East Hartford for a number of years, right next to Glastonbury, where where I am now. Can you talk about you know growing up and coming from a place like East Hartford? We got listeners from all over the country. Um, East Hartford is a suburb of Hartford, Connecticut, and it, it's a it tends to be. Um, like on the poorer end of the socioeconomic status um, in in the area, um, a vibrantly diverse community. You have you have all sorts of uh, it's a places that immigrants go. And my favorite thing about it is they open great like immigrant restaurants, uh, whether it's uh, Vietnamese restaurants or these. Are, this is where you get the the true like hole in the wall great food. Uh, places in the Hartford area, um, but it's it is a really an, an immigrant town. Can you talk about how like that background uh, really sort of you know just tell me about that background and how it interfaces with law school? Yeah, it's a unique background to be honest. And like you said, like it's really immigrant based, so I get to like you know experience like what it's like for like a lot of immigrants, like my parents, um, go like take the transition from going from their country into the United States and trying to get jobs, trying to like take care of their families and seeing that like it really makes me like really like relish and like really taking the like consideration like how much my parents really sacrificed to get my brothers and my siblings to where we are today. I've, at first I was taking advantage of that, but the more like I hung out with, you know, other people that are like immigrants and people that didn't have like the same, um, I don't want to say um, benefits, but 
I want to say like my parents put us in a good position to like really become successful. And I know like other immigrants don't have that same direction. So I've seen like the hardships that like they have to go through, like even paying off their rent, um, trying to make, um, trying to get a job, trying to like, you know, um, get their citizenship here. Like it's, it's tough. It's really tough to do that. But like, like seeing like how much they want to like invest and how much time they want to put in to make sure that they can like, you know, make a better life for the, not only them, themselves, but like also for their children and their children's children. And I like to see that Um, in terms of like how it relates to the law, like it helped me like realize that like, like immigration is an important like subject matter and like we shouldn't like take it for granted because so many people that come from their like native countries to come here, like they're making a big week. It's like a big culture shock too because like there's so much things that are different in America that compared to their other countries. So like for them to take the leave here, we have to like credit them. We have to like at least give them like, you know, the right means to like become successful because it's like coming to America, it's not really it's really a difficult jump to be honest but like it's definitely rewarding if you can make you know the right um the right uh the right moves and the right um you know meet meet the right people too because like if you can get in a pole position to become successful you will love it here but again like america is it's it's rewarding it's definitely rewarding but it's definitely difficult to really um you know make it make a name for yourself and I know like immigration law is like, you know, kind of put in the back burner compared to the other laws like criminal law or uh, like personal injury law, constitutional law, like all these other laws. I feel like um, immigration law should still have like, at least like a proper, like, you know, proper news feeds or like at least have like people talk about it more because I feel like it's a big um, topic in our country, especially today with how many people, like immigrants are struggling to like, you know, find jobs and, um, you know, help their families and make, you know, put food on the table and whatnot. Yeah. So when, when was it that you decided to go to law school, Joel? Good question. Um, I decided to go one of, I wanted to go to law school during um, my senior year of high school. Um, so like I went, I didn't go to a school in East Hartford. I went to a school in Western very called, um, the master school. And I met like one of my um, high school teachers there who was actually, um, he did get his JD, but I don't think he ever practiced law, but like he like, you know, he had a serious class that I took and I really found like the law like engaging. Um, later, like in college, after I graduated and went to college at Central Connecticut State University, New Britain, I uh, entering college, I wanted to still become a lawyer. I still wanted to go to law school. But like as the years waned, I kind of like, was like slowly moving away from that. And I kind of like saw myself doing something else, maybe like in mathematics. So I decided I wanted to go to like, um, I want to change my major from like law to um, engineering because I felt like I could do more for um, uh, engineering when it came to, um, you know, uh, making a name for myself and making money. Cause I like the whole point for me, like I want to like, you know, make some money so that way I can help my parents retire early. Cause I think, gave us a lot. They gave us a lot of like, um, um, tools to really become successful. And by the way, like the name of my, um, the, the master school teacher that helped me like, um, fall in love with law was, um, Mr. Waller. And honestly, I really like, um, appreciate everything he does done for me. Cause he like opened my eyes to what law is. 
again, but then again, like I moved away from it, but eventually found my way like during my senior year of um, college. Cause once I like did an engineering course, I realized that like, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. Like I was more like a philosopher than a, you know, an engineer type of guy. So, you know, I like math and I really love doing math. I don't see myself making a career out of it. So I was like, let me try law. Cause I really enjoy like reading and writing. I really also want to make a difference in people's lives, especially people that um, again, don't have like the best, you know, family background or don't really have the tools to really become successful. So, um, yeah, that's what led me to law school. Cause I'm like, I want to make a change. I know like, I can't really make a change. Like I can't really make the change I want as an engineer. And I can't really see myself doing, becoming an engineer for like, you know, the long term, maybe for the short term, but not for the long term. So I was like, let me challenge myself and go to law school because I know like a lot of people talk about how law school is difficult so I really want to see for myself how difficult it really was and I gotta say the first couple of years it was really it was really something it was really something well shout out uh, to your teacher and all the teachers out there who inspire students to help find themselves and set them on their journey I know I wouldn't be here without some amazing teachers and some encouragement and uh, all of it. And I think that speaks for many of my colleagues. So Mr. Waller, was it? Yep. Shout out to you, Mr. Waller, if you're listening and everybody else out there uh, who inspires people like Joel to go into law. We need good lawyers. Like I know people talk about, there's so many lawyers in this country. Um, We actually need more. We need more. uh, We need more good lawyers and especially lawyers who are willing to help people. Um, People, I mean, there's a lot of different paths you can take in this world. Uh, you could go to work for a big company or the government. Uh, but if you're looking to help people, I mean, there there's no shortage of demand out there and whatever it is that you that you choose. So that is awesome that somebody like you is going through this. So you go you go to college. Where do you go to college? I went to college at Central Connecticut State University in New Britain, Connecticut. CCSU. Uh, that is that's awesome and. What do you do in what what is your major in college? So yeah, when I first started out, I was a criminal justice major with a minor in I want to say English, I believe. And from there I transitioned to like engineering because like I said before, like engineering um because I thought like I could make a career out of like, you know, engineering. And I didn't really want to go back to school for another couple of years, but Things happen, so things happen. So I took like a course in engineering. Um, it was like an intro course in engineering, and it wasn't it wasn't bad. But um, that took an actual like course, like a two hundred level engineering course, and that kind of opened my eyes. Like, okay, maybe engineering wasn't for me. Maybe let me try like you know get into law school. Let me study for the LSAT. Let me take that next leap, the next step that I need to do to get into law school and try to like you know take my career to like another another path and another level. And if you're out there and you're in college, I think Joelle's point there is really important because I think for me, I wanted to be a teacher. And then when I got to college, it was like, ah, I don't know if I want to teach. I think I want to go in and be a lawyer. And I think that that's true for a lot of people out there in college. So if you're in high school, uh, you're in your beginning of your college career, even at the end of your college career, uh, just know that it's really okay to change up um, and find yourself later in, in college. Joel, can you talk to us about your decision to take the LSAT 
and how you studied for it, because we get a lot of questions about, you know, the LSAT from people who are thinking about going to law school. What what would you go back if you could tell yourself, I guess now f- three, four years ago, to do what worked, what didn't work uh, regarding the LSAT? So yeah, um, so I actually was given the LSAT book from a friend of mine that was also um, in law school after he graduated from CSU, and I've kind of like reviewed that for you know, a couple of weeks and then I was kind of confused because I'm like, I don't really understand this. So from there, I decided to like take a, a prep course. I think it's a Kaplan, a Kaplan prep course. And they also like sent like me books and stuff to like really review and like, you know, go over like the material and subject matter. And if I could go back, I would tell myself like, there's no rush. Like, because I, I went to law school right after like I graduated from CCSU. And what I could tell myself was like, don't rush the process. Like instead, take time to really like hammer it in, like understanding like like the LSAT and the like topics and the examples and assignments and all that um, jazz. Um, I should say because like it's really a lot and it's really different from you know undergrad. And I feel like I wanted to like get into law school so badly right after undergrad that I kind of like kind of rushed it and I feel like I could have done better than I actually did um I could have ended up in a better position not saying my position right now is not better but um I would say like taking time to really like understanding the materials because law school is really different than undergrad and like you take your time and really hammer in what you're studying I feel like it'll help you out in that long term because it's better to like you know, do the hard parts now and I can't kind of like handle all the stress and whatnot than to have to deal with all that later on. Cause right now I'm kind of, I'm not saying I'm paying for what I did back then. I still think I made a good decision, but I feel like I should at least take some time to really like understand the house that, how it works, how like, you know, the different like sections all blend together and how like they work individually. And stuff like that but all in all like as long as you like you know it's better to be over prepared than under prepared i would say because like you never know what to expect on the LSAT. so it's better to like really like take a year or two like just to really like dissect it and really understand it because um it's a lot it's a lot especially if because i had like studied during um my semester like like senior year of um college so i was doing like you know, 300, 400 level classes, also studying for the LSAT. And I feel like I really do enough to really, you know, pay it, like much more focus to the LSAT than like it deserves. Cause of that. I was thinking like the LSAT was, I kind of like underestimated it. I thought it was going to be, you know, easier than I thought. So I feel like if I could go back, I would spend a little bit more time really hammering it on and like really understanding it. Because it's a lot, especially when you're doing like other things. Like I was like, I was like working and also like, you know, doing my homework and studying for exams and whatnot and writing papers. Yeah. And that is, I was the first person in my family to graduate from a four-year school. And, you know, I didn't have, I I was sort of like, well, if you're smart, you're going to get a good score on the LSAT. And I felt like I was smart. Right. Mm -hmm. But really and truly, you know, prep courses and doing that prep, like they can help so much because you can learn the test. 
it's not about uh, it's not about how smart you are. It's about how good you are on the specific test. So if you're out there and you're thinking of it, listen to Joel. Listen to me. Like put that time, put that money, take as much prep as you can because that's going to affect your scholarship money. Where you get in, it's going to affect a whole host of different things. And it's the kind of thing where if you're willing to put in the work, you can get the results. Like you can start over here and, you know, the lower end of the spectrum in terms of scores and you do enough testing, enough uh, t learning, you know, pretty quickly you can go up to the higher end of the scores. So if you're out there, you're thinking about it, uh, do uh, definitely invest in taking the LSAT and uh, invest in prep courses and prep until you really get there and you're able to consistently on practice scores score pretty high because it's going to affect the money you're going to get for sure. So Joel, take us into like your first semester of law school. That's like sort of a crucible moment for anybody. And we've talked about it on the show before with other guests, but it's one of these things where you, if you haven't experienced it, it's like nothing you've probably ever experienced before. So I'm just going to let you dive right into that, Joel. Oh, man, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, when I first got to law school, I, it was, yeah, it was a lot. It was just on a different level compared to undergrad. And, like, again, you're put into a, pos a position where it's, like, you're not, like, really accustomed to. And, again, you, it's kind of like a re restart because, like, you have to, like, meet new people that you've never really you know, seen before because a lot of people like either travel from out of state to come here or like they're in state and like they went to undergrad version of the campus. But it's like you get a lot of different people at your law school from people that are like your age to people that are like, you know, 70s, 80s, like they're retired but they want to go back and like, like you know, get their law degree. So it was, it was definitely a lot. I would say um, you got to pace yourself because you're getting like so much at one time, so much at one time. And like, I was, I felt like I was ready. I felt like I was at least somewhat prepared for law school. Cause like we did, we got assignments. I want to say like two weeks before like the start date. So I was like trying to focus on that, trying to understand that. And like, kind of like hammering like what the, you know, professors are going to talk about. And I, I just gotta say like, it, it caught me off guard because that first class, like, of course, the first class was syllabus, but then like the next, the the next class after that, that's when we actually like got right into it. But again, I mean, professors different. Some professors go right into it. They like kind of like talk about the syllabus for like a couple minutes, then go right into like, you know, first week's assignment. But other professors like take their time with it. So again, a very different professor, professor. But all the professors, especially my first year. All of them cold call, so you have to get ready for that. Cold call is when, like, you know, they call you at random. And I had one of one of my professors. She uh, he went like down the line the list of like alphabetical orders of our names, and he would like ask us questions using the Socratic method, and that's a method where he like constantly, constantly asking questions. Like, like after you give your an answer, he would like ask you another question. Like, why would you think that? Like, it's really like. He wants to really like understand why you're saying what you're saying and kind of like give like you know details and reasonings behind that. It was it was a lot. It was a lot, but he, he was a great professor. But his name was Professor Krauss. Um, he was a lot, but it was definitely rewarding because he taught 
need a lot my first semester and first year of law school. So much so that I ended up taking them again, like like in the later semesters. But uh, I gotta admit, like law school of that first semester was a lot. Uh, the books were expensive too. Uh, the best, your best bet is to look on Amazon or if you find like another website that you can use, you can use an all website. But uh, I would say like, for me anyway, I would say like to wait, like until your first class because some professors don't even use the book. So it's better to wait until you like, you know for sure that you're gonna use a book before buying it. Because again, like if a worst case scenario, like if you end up needing the book, you can like rent it out through the library and um you can scan it because there's like a lot of apps on your phone that can like scan the pages so that way you can just like you know have it on your phone and like kind of print it out um and kind of like just you know make notes. That's why I did um my second semester because uh, I don't want to pay those expensive because those books are expensive. If you thought undergrad books were expensive, law school books are another level. It's not they are on another they are on another level. So what were the real high, let's go through like a high and a low from mm. your first year of law school. So a low was the amount of reading. I was not ready for that. I thought I was ready for that, but I wasn't. Um, there's a lot of reading in law school. Just being prepared for that because it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. But eventually I was able to figure it out. And a high point I would say is like meeting like, you know, my like classmates, my peers, because you can't really do law school, but you could, some people could, but like, like for me anyway, I need like people that like, you know, think like me and like, you know, kind of relate to me. So that way I can like, like when I don't understand anything, I can like, you know, go to them, ask them questions because, um, like go to your law school, um, pairs are going to be like with you for possibly the next three years of your law school life. So it's better to like, they might even be like your associate or your um, coworker. So it's better to like, you know, befriend them and like kind of like, you know, introduce yourself, be respectful to them because like you never know, they might help you get a job in the future. So it's better to be respectful to everyone you need because you never know who's going to help you later on in life. So definitely, I love like getting to know my friends and I love getting to know like everyone's story um, because like, it's one thing to go to law school and just focus on the work. It's another thing to like go to law school, like, you know, actually like enjoy meet people, do work together, build a study group because you're going to need it. Study groups are important in law school, especially during finals. Because those final exams are kind of tricky. So it's best for you to like, have like, you know, other people in your friend group or study group that could like really help you like understand something that you're that you already understand that you need like a you know second opinion on or another perspective on. So high point for me is the friendships I made, the connections I made. I love it. I wouldn't change any of that. I'm still friends with most of my uh, one all year friends, so I'm happy about that. Shout out to them. I've said this one before too. If you listen to prior episodes, that one of the great gifts in my life are my law school classmates. And I mean, now I'm now uh, 20 years removed from uh, my first year of law school, maybe 21 years, I think now, uh, I guess it started in 2002. So we're 2023. And, you know, these are people who I've maintained in contact with. I'm still in a fantasy baseball league for my 1L uh, law school uh, with a bunch of friends. Uh, And we have been at each other's weddings. We've been there professionally for each other. And, if you go to a school, yes, make friends. Uh, 
your law school classmates should be some pretty interesting people, uh, people with a lot of diverse backgrounds, people who are smart, um, people who have different experiences and interests and having that common tie, that common shared experience is a wonderful way to bond and build some lasting relationships. And if I had to go back, it would be like, I'd tell myself one of those things would be like, look, the people to the left and right of you are going to be great gifts in your life, like begin enjoying them. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people will view law school as super competitive. Uh, and it is like, you've got to try to do your best, but really all you're doing is competing with yourself to do your best. Like you're not competing with a person next to you. Uh, you are competing with yourself and they're not the enemy. Uh, it is, it, it is, uh, if you let it, it is a wonderful, wonderful gift. So can you talk to me a little bit about what it is that you want to do after law school? Which is a question I always hated getting when I was in law school. Cause I was like, look, I just want a job that's going to pay my law school loans and I don't starve. Uh, so where are you on that journey, Joel? That's a tricky question. <laughs> I, I'm with you, Drew. Right? I just want, you know, a job after law school that can like pay money and like pay off my school loans, student loans. But on um, the reality, I want a, a job or a position that like can help me make a change. Um, I'm really leaning towards criminal law because I feel like criminal law is something that like put in perspective. It can like really like change a lot, especially. Um, in people's lives, people that like, you know, were either like falsely accused or people that, um, you know, made a mistake and just needed like in time to really like understand why they, what they did was wrong and kind of like have a, get a restart, if you know what I mean. But I, I was always interested in, um, becoming a public defender, um, ever since, uh, I would say like right after, like I took the LSAT. So like my senior year. Because like my um my uncle, uh, uh, he um was uh, put up on charges, um, and he was um accused of this crime. So after that, I experienced that. Cause like his attorney, um, again, like I don't know what what happened, but the attorney I feel like didn't do the best job, and I feel like he could have you know done a little bit more than he did. So like watching that, especially him being like an African-American and an immigrant, it's like he really had the odds stacked against him. And if his attorney is not, you know, giving his best effort to really help him out, it's like, who else can? It's like everyone else like is like really looking, you know, um, looking like he is a criminal and looking like um, he committed the crime and committed. And then like, it doesn't help when you're turning doesn't really have your back because you know your attorney's supposed to be the one that always you know is there for you so that left a like lingering right feeling in the back of my right in my head because like it was happening to him who else is it happening to and i don't i don't like to think that like that because it's like i don't want to like think the world that we live in is like that but it is and i don't want to be um therefore i want to like make a change for that that's why I want to be an attorney, a criminal attorney that can like, you know, help the voice, help speak to the, you know, people that can like really speak for themselves and really be the voice for voiceless. Um, like I, like my main goal is to become a judge because, you know, I feel like they have like more, you know, power and more, you know, ways to really make a change. But again, you always have to start somewhere. So I know I have to start 
at a public defense office and kind of move from there and gradually, you know, work, work my way up. Um, and I feel like criminal law is the way to do it. Um, again, like I have other interests, like I, I'm interested in sports law too, because like I'm a big like sports fan. Like I love basketball, I love soccer, football, like all those sports. So I mean, that's just, you know, a sports attorney. But if that doesn't work, um, criminal law is the way to go for me. So what have you done in law school with criminal law? Have you done any internships or things like that or clinics? Yes, I actually have done like I've done a fellowship um, at the New Haven Superior Court. I was um, helping out um, helping out pro se litigants, which are people that like you know don't have their own attorneys and like they're filing these claims of temporary restraining orders against you know significant other other people. And I've just been like I helped with the paperwork with that and like kind of helped them start the process of filing the temporary restraining order. And like that experience really helped me like confirm my interest in helping people and like helping the like you know the people that are like um uh, economically um stable in order to like you know afford an attorney i want to be like that public defender to like really like um help them like you know make them make their lives easier for one but also help them with their case and make um you know give them the right support that they need to help them win their case and um i feel like for me um having those face-to-face conversations with um you know those pro se litigants really like helped me to realize that like these people are normal people like this these are everyday people that are are on the streets that you can see like you know go, like when you go to the mall or when you go to stores or when you go to restaurants like these are everyday people and they're suffering they're really all-time low when they came into the office and for me to like you know give them a smile make them cheer up a little bit it really like brought you know brought like this feeling in my heart that i really like can't explain like it just like because it, it helped me realize that like, i want to give back to the you know the community i want to help you know people that look like me people that are like you know already you know struggling really struggling especially people that are not like on that you know upper um you know, higher socioeconomic class. And I feel like that experience really, like, helped me to really realize my dream of really helping people out and, like, really helping them, like, have that support that they need, especially when so many attorneys, not so many attorneys, but so some attorneys are only out there for the money and not to, like, you know, really helping the man. I want to focus on, like, helping the man. The money's cool, too, but, like, Men, like I want to help men and women that are struggling and need that support that they probably can't get anywhere else. You know, it, what you said is so important in so many ways. I'm going to take it one direction. And if you're out there listening, you know, maybe rewind that part of what uh, Joel just said because I think it's I think it's that important. Whatever it is, you have to find your why in law school. You have to understand what motivates you, like what makes you happy, what is rewarding to you, because you're going to be doing a lot of it if you're if you're in law. And I can tell you that that the happiest lawyers, law student, law school classmates that I've had, lawyers that I know, we're talking thousands of people, hundreds of people at the very least, and the happiest people are the ones who are like, this is something, it's a purpose larger than money. Um, 
like you do something that you love, um, like the money will follow. Like money is the residue of that. And the ones who are the happiest and who achieve the most, whether it was they really wanted to go in and be a family law lawyer, they wanted to go in and they wanted to, you know, maybe work for the government. Maybe that was they wanted to be an FBI agent. I have FBI agent classmates. Uh, they wanted to be a tax attorney. They really love the tax code. I don't know. These people are weirdos to me. If you love the tax code, you're a little weird. I'd love to have you on the pod and we can talk. Uh, but they loved it more than the money. And it's like, if you find your why, why you want to help people, why you want to do what you do, like that's going to set you up for a really rewarding and enriching career. Because look, it's not a night, like being a lawyer is not a nine to five. Uh, being a lawyer is not like you're on an assembly line. You're told to do the same thing every single day. You've got to get better at your skills. You've got to get better at your craft. You've got to go out and learn on your own. Like you, if it's a pie eating contest, you are going to be eating a lot of pie. Uh, you better like the pie that you are eating. Uh, so, so absolutely figure out what it is your purpose is and go get it. Go do it. And if you're out there and you're like, well, I don't know what that is. Uh, just think about it in a very simple way. Think about like, you have to do this next thing. Like what class are you excited for? What work are you interested in doing? Uh, you know, is this to me, when I look at my days, is this an energy drain or does it give me energy? And if it gives you energy, it's you're, listen to your intuition, listen to your soul, like lean into that and, and do it. Um, because that matters a ton, uh, Joel. And I think into your future success, which I, 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 I can see clearly. One of the things that we talk about on this spot, change gears a little bit here, is that there's a disconnect between what goes on in a law school classroom and what goes on in practicing law, real, real court. And so if you're sitting there and you're, you're a fellow in, you know, New Haven Superior Court, I mean, you, you've got problems from all walks of life and you've got people who are scared, they're confused, uh, they may struggle with language. They may struggle with understanding what is happening. And they may just have real problems that they need help with. Can you talk about that and what what it is that you learned from actually being on the ground and trying to help people with legal problems? I mean, that's a good question. And it, it was, it's definitely, a, it's definitely a difference between the two, like being in law school and like learning about like the different types of law and actually be on a, out in the field because again, like you can't, because I know most of my professors use the IRAC formula. Like when there's a problem, they use like an issue. What's the issue rule? What's the rule? App applying that um, rule to the facts of the case and conclusion. But you can't really do that when you're out in the field because it's like, you can do that in your head, but you can't really do that um, when you're talking to people because like, again, like you have to like phrase your words in a way that they understand that it makes them like, you know, easy to follow along with. You can't just use legal jargon because it's not going to really go anywhere. They're going to like constantly ask you for clarification. So it's better to just like, you know, talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, like, and have like a regular conversation. Um, and like, kind of like, you know, when an issue occurs, explain that issue in layman's, like layman's term and kind of like make it easier for them to really like understand. Because again, like a lot of people that came into like, you know, the, um, um, into the courthouse asking for a temporary restraining order, 
some people are like suffering from different disabilities. So it's up to us to really make, you know, make it easy for them to really understand and to really like make it like simple for them to like really comprehend and like that way they know like what's going on because the worst thing you can do is like help someone and the person doesn't know what you really help them with. So they're like, they'll not only confused about what you did, if you did anything, or um, they don't know like what they should do next. Like me, like I like to like, you know, really like paint kind of like a mental picture for them to really understand like the step-by-step process. And then from there, like I would help them like solve their like, you know, um, issue or problem because like, again, like a lot of people were like either blind or older, um, they like were deaf. So like you have to like really adjust how you talk to each one. You can't just, you know, expect to use the same thing that you use with one person and apply it to this, another person. Cause like, again, every situation is different and you have to take that into account when you're, you know, going through that real life, like, um, application and like really uh, helping people to like really understand what's going on. Cause again, as an attorney, you're supposed to help them understand what's going on and kind of like help them figure out what choice they want to make because the choice is in their hands because it's their life. We're just supposed to guide them. Right. And it, 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 that is, that is the job of the lawyer. Like our, our job is to explain things in a way that our clients can understand that empower them to make the best decisions that they can make. Like we are not the decision makers. I mean, maybe, yes, we're the decision makers on maybe what arguments to make in a brief, but ultimately, at the highest level, it is the client's responsibility to for their own actions, for their own decisions. Uh, they are the ones deciding, do we do this? Do we not do this? How do we do this? Uh, how do we mitigate what we have done? Those are all the things that clients have to decide. And whether you're advising somebody who's a criminal defendant or you're advising a Fortune 500 CEO, you have to put it in the language that they understand uh, so that you're, you are... Part of your hat as a lawyer, whether you're a litigator or a transactional lawyer, is that of teacher and counselor. And you really have to understand how can I get into their head? How can I teach them what they need to know? Um, how can I help that guide their decision making process um, as opposed to, you know, just telling them what to do? Uh, because, it, you know, it is ultimately their life and their fate. Uh, and they're the fate of their business, uh, frankly. Uh, and it, those are very important things. So if you're out there and you're in law school, like get, and it's hard, like, but, but do those things that allow you to actually have client contact early on in your career, uh, because that is where the rubber meets the road as a lawyer, your ability to, uh, really connect and explain things to clients is an invaluable skill. And look, you go to here in law school, like you haven't dealt with things yet. You don't know it. Like, don't worry about it. It's a muscle. Like you can absolutely work on what it is that you are doing. You can get better at what it is, uh, but get out there, get that practice, watch lawyers, watch how they talk to clients, work with different lawyers. You'll see that some are way better than others at it. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but you're, you know, ultimately it is your job as a client, as a lawyer to, empower your clients to make the best decisions for them and then help them uh 
you then act at their direction and carry those things out. Um, so great way, I think, uh, I think to end it. Joel, well, actually, let's, what are you looking forward to? I mean, as we, you're heading into your third year, what are you looking forward to in your third year? Because third year is a little bit different. Um, I think, at least for me, first year was all about, you know, the core classes you had to take. You didn't have a lot of freedom in that. Second year was more finding out. And third year, you're really beginning to transition out of law school. Uh, so talk to me about what you're looking forward to. Um, one of the big things is like getting ready for the real world. Because again, like I said earlier, I went from undergrad right into law school. So I never really had that real world experience working, you know, like the actual job. Because I've been in school like for so many years. So I'm looking forward to finally taking that leap to like starting to like work like in the real world. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But I'm also like excited to like graduate and um, you know, get ready to take the bar. Um, but it's kind of, I kind of don't, like for me, like right now, I don't really want to leave just yet because I feel like I could still, you know, do a little bit more in law school in terms of like, you know, learning like a few more like, you know, classes and whatnot. But again, like time went by fast. So definitely treasure your law school, you know, career when you like can. Um, I'm looking forward to like all the events and stuff. Because I know, like, um, a lot of people that I'm in law school with might end up going to a different state, so I might not see them for a while. So I want to, like, try to enjoy, like, my friends as much as I can um, before, like, we each take that next step to taking the bar and from there, you know, going into the real world and, like, kind of, um, you know, become an actual attorney because that's extremely crazy to think about because it feels like just yesterday we were just in law school and just like, you know, taking our first, you know, class in um, criminal law with our professor, Professor Meyer. And it's just wild to think that, like, I mentioned my third year and it's almost done. It's almost like I'm almost at the finish line. So I just want to make sure I finish strong. Well, Joel, it goes by really quickly. That is a good way. This 45 minutes has flown by for me. Hey, if you are up in the East Hartford area, definitely hit me up. I'd love to grab lunch for you. Uh, grab lunch with you uh, and enjoy some of uh, those restaurants I, l- I really do like in, in East Hartford. And uh, maybe uh, maybe when, when it gets uh, cold this uh, fall up here in a few weeks, we'll uh, go get some pho or something. And if you know uh, some uh, Ghanan restaurant that is that is banging, I am absolutely down to try, try that. So I hope to uh, meet you in person. Thank you. We're going to end it like we always end this, which is, you know, if we're at a cookout and we... You know, you get a burger, could be a veggie burger, hamburger, whatever you want. Kobe beef burger, whatever it is you want. What are you putting on that burger? In terms of condiments or? In terms of condiments, but anything. You could put anything. I'll I'll give you, you have everything one can possibly put on a hamburger on this buffet. This is a banging, banging buffet. Uh, Your uncle went all out. Yeah, I would say say mayo. Um, (laughs) Mayo's a thing for me. (laughs) I love mayo. Now, are you a are you like a homemade mayo guy, or are you like a I love like Hellman's mayonnaise, like whatever from the store? Again, either or, like man, mayo is mayo for me. <laughs> homemade, store bought. All right, there there are no there are no no wrong answers to this question. So, thank you, Joel. And look, if you're out there, you're listening, you enjoyed it. You know, please wherever you listen to podcasts, go out, give us a a five star review. It's going to help us reach more people. Uh, you know, share it. Um, Joel, thank you so much for uh, being on. 
Uh, and I wish you so much luck as you head into your third year. Please don't be a stranger to me. I'm happy to help you in any way uh, that I can. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thanks again for having me. Thank you for joining Ryan McKean in the Law Student Lounge, where real law students talk about their real lives. Are you a law student with a story to tell? Learn how you can share your story with us in the episode description. And join us next time in the Law Student Lounge. Thank you.